0: Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
1: Back in our 9 o'clock hour hour, Al Jay Black is going to tackle the numbers Rhea unearthed on the top five TV-rated games. Or it was Joe Wechter. Whoever it was. It was Wechter, yes. Four of the five. Involved the Cowboys raising a question, Al. How good for business would it be if the Cowboys won and went to the next round? Bigger TV ratings, bigger money, no? Well. We're going to find out. And we got a hot seat. And on the line with us, I may be wrong on this, Al, but I read a lot of stuff. The only person in journalism in this city. Right. Who got some actual quotes from Jeff Lurie, Mm -hmm. the owner of the Eagles is our own Marcus Hayes, yes. also by way of inquiry.com. Hi, Marcus.
2: Good morning, morning team.
1: So, Marcus, what were the circumstances in which you got Jeffrey Lurie talking about Doug Peterson?
2: Well, I knew that Jeffrey loves Doug. Like, firing Doug was one of the hardest things he's ever had to do. He didn't, it was not hard for him to fire Andy. It was really hard for him to fire Doug. Um, so I just stayed outside of where the owner meets with the coach after the game in the Eagles locker room. And I just said, listen, you know, I'm doing the column on Doug, and I know how you feel about him. Would you mind talking about him? And, you know, Jeff only, like, officially talks two or three times a year right. unless there's something, like, big. And yep. this was big enough for him. He, he, he believed – he just wanted to, I think, get on record how much he appreciated and rooted for Doug Peterson, like a lot of people in Philadelphia do.
1: Marcus. But, but he fired him. <laughs> the guy want to <laughs> – I know he said he roots so hard. I saw it and I went, but he fired him. So well, I, I, you it, said it was so hard. Then why did he
2: do it? I think he thought he had to, and I'm coming around to the realization that he, maybe he did. One of the more interesting things in the column that I wrote about that to me was Jordan with, without unprovoked, said, you know – Doug got a chance to sort of reset and clear his mind, which tells me that things were not good in that Eagles locker room and in that Eagles organization with him at the head of it. That might not have been the biggest problem. I think we agree. Carson Wentz was probably the biggest problem, but between the way Doug handled it and the way things were going outside of Carson Wentz, maybe Doug did need to sort of reset because I think we all agree that Doug was not the same coach after he went on his book tour and, you know, the the, the big parade. It, he was a different guy. He was no longer nearly as humble and as focused as he was in 2016
1: and 2017. Marcus, I, one thing I've learned from working with you is that you really don't root. You root for the best stories, but you don't root for teams. Do you root for Doug?
2: I really do. And it goes back to 1999 when the Eagles brought him here, Andy Reid brought him here, not to teach Donovan McNabb, Andy Reid's offense, but to teach the rest of the team. Reid was in charge of Donovan McNabb, and um, I think he had Rod Dauhauer as his offensive coordinator back then. But Doug was very earnestly trying to teach the rest of the team, and not a very good team, how Andy Reid wanted things done both in the locker room, in the practice field, and on the field. He did a wonderful job. And he was open about it, he was frank, and he was a really, really good teammate. And not a great quarterback, but a really good teammate and a really good coach at that point. So I've always – and then, I, you know, you fast forward eight or ten years and he's on the coaching staff as a, you know, one of those coaching interns, you know, former players trying out. And it was him, Mike Zordich, and Deuce Staley. And I thought that Zordich would be a head coach one day. I thought um, Doug might be a quarterback's coach one day. And I thought Deuce was going to be gone by October. And I was totally <laughs> wrong about that. All of it. Deuce is still waiting so, for a chance. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, but he, you know, Deuce has lasted, done better, and lasted a lot longer than I thought, and he probably proved me more wrong than the other two. But to answer your question, yeah, I root for Doug because he's, he is a coach. Like yeah. in everything he does, he's a coach. He's kind of goofy, and sometimes he you know you know trips over his own tongue, among other body parts. But he's he is genuine, and he's a really really good coach.
1: Uh, Marcus, the next question. The questions are going to get tougher here. Here it is. <laughs> Whose accomplishment was better this year, Doug Peterson's or Nick Siriani's?
2: Probably Doug. Yeah, huh? You know, I mean, Howie gave Nick a lot of pieces. To Nick's credit, one of the hardest things to do as a leader, especially a coach, is to step back. To Nick's credit – he stepped back and he let Shane Steichen and Brian Campbell operate with the offensive tools. And he let Jonathan Gannon, who I know is not a favorite of our show, he let him operate with those defensive tools. And that's great. But what Doug did is he changed an entire culture. I've been to Jacksonville three times to cover that team. Wow. It's a joke. It is an absolute joke. And I've, I've been embedded a couple of times. I've been there for, for days at a time. It is no longer a joke. And they play, you know, between Doug and Dan Campbell, you know, those are two spectacular stories, two very different personalities on two for two organizations that have been a, a laughingstock for, for a decade. All
1: right, Marcus, one thing we do know about when Doug left, uh, he wanted more power than they were giving him. He wanted to name his assistants, et cetera. Uh, you have reported that Nick Sirianni doesn't have the Tuesday meetings that Doug did with the upper echelon of the team. Are they, however, still imposing their will? Are they still encouraging Nick and the staff to pass more? Do you think there's a lot of involvement in the upper brass of the Eagles on what's happening on the field?
2: I think the opposite kind of happened. Um, Jeffrey took me aside last year, I think, like after the, the Jets game or the Giants game in the Meadowlands, and he said, listen, I know what you've been saying and I know what you've been writing. We have made a concerted effort to not only meddle less, but to impress upon this coaching staff that whatever they do, they have to be convicted. Don't worry about what we want. You do what you think is right with this staff. And that was right around the time when they were becoming more of a, a run-first team. So that convinced me that, okay, Jeffrey and, and Howie and whoever else have learned their lesson. If you hire a coaching staff, you have to let it coach, and you have to let it hire the people you want it to it wants to hire so it can work well together i think they learned from that mistake i mean they've owned the team for 25 30 years and they're still learning which is good most owners are pretty pretty set in their ways at this point so no i don't think that they influence what happens on the field nearly as much as we think they do and certainly not as much as they used to
1: All right, Marcus, one reason I knew I had to talk to you this week is that you are better at telling when somebody is faking something or sandbagging something. We're trying to read this hurt situation, all right? We agree that he had some level of pain during the game last Sunday, but they're making it sound like it hurt like hell was the exact quote. But they also dialed up nine straight passes to start the game. How injured do you think he is, and how injured do you think he'll be next weekend?
2: I don't think the type of injury he has affects his ability to throw um, accurately and with velocity as much as it affects his ability to withstand impact. So I think you're going to see fewer called runs the rest of the run uh, this way, the, you know, the rest of the time they're in the playoffs, and I think you're going to see fewer RPOs, which does affect how effective this team is because teams are terrified of Jalen Hurts getting out and running and extending drives. You know, not like Lamar Jackson or Michael Vick going all the way, but, you know, getting 10, 12, 15 yards. The thing that really indicated to me during the game, before we knew how hurt he was, before all these comments came out afterward, is he had about 15 yards in front of him in that game, and he broke the pocket, and he ran forward, and he slid after three yards.
1: It's true. I remember that play. You're right. So right, so since he might be running less because of the injury, do you think it's possible Miles Sanders or Boston Scott or even Kenny Gainwell might run more? <laughs>
2: notice um, my tone there, Mark. Notice Marcus? the chuckle. <laughs> notice the tone and then the chuckle? It depends what the analytics say. It really does. Um, and the thing that I, I point to all the time, Whenever Jalen Hurts is hurt, and it's often, I mean, let's let's face it, he's he's been injured every year he's been the quarterback. Is when he can't run, he becomes a better quarterback. He becomes more reliant on the offense working properly. And it was I think it was the uh, Giants game last year where he had like the game of his life. I think the set maybe the second Giants game or something like that. But yeah, it was, it was a great game. But he had. Um, I think he had the ankle sprain. He was playing on a bum ankle, and he played brilliantly. I compared him to Steve Young in that game. But I don't know that they're going to say, okay, well, we're going to give Jalen's runs to these guys, these these running backs, because he can't run, and we have to run. They'll throw it 55 times if they think they should.
1: Marcus, best guess. Last thing. I just got to know. Best guess. Who do you think the Eagles are facing next weekend?
2: They've faced Dallas. And they beat him by 10.
0: Oh, look at that.
1: And then we hold Christmas again. <laughs> I love it. Marcus Hayes, thank you. We'll see you at studio next week, Marcus. Thanks. My my
2: pleasure. Happy New Year, everybody.
1: That's some good stuff there. All right. Uh, Jerry's coming up in a second now, But keep in mind that he is doing a four-hour round trip. Oh. First, I got Big Rube here. Big Rube, holla! Holler. Oh. Big Rube, how much football are you watching this week at?
3: Well, you know, I'm going to be serving them up here at Pitcher's Pub, Chef Big Rube's Kitchen, so I'm going to sneak peek, at, you know, at all of it. You know what I mean? Between quarters, I'm going to be getting it in. You know, this is playoff wild card weekend, and I'm a fan.
1: All right, and you are, is it official now that you will be rooting for the Eagles for the remainder of these playoffs? Please believe it. Hello. All right, Big Rube, who will you be rooting strong, most strongly against?
3: Uh Tom Brady. Oh right. go. I, I hmm. do I, I want I want the Eagles to play uh Dallas again. You would like Dallas. So you're
1: gonna want Dallas to be Brady on Monday night. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Please Please it's, it's, it. And what do you hate about <laughs> Brady? Well,
3: I mean one two thousand seventeen where yep. it should have been a PA Super Bowl and they gagged Jesse James out of that touchdown. And by proxy, those two uh, y'all won the Super Bowl over two controversial calls over that bad call that they stole from Jesse James. So you yeah. know what I mean. I I kind of got my revenge by y'all beating uh, the Patriots and Tom Brady. But it should have been a PA Super
1: Bowl. I love it. I we love that you we have your support there. And now, how sad was it for you to see the passing of Franco Harris?
3: Oh man, that was uh, sh- I, that hurt. That was around the same time. Uh, that was three days after my grandma, so it just oh. hit me hard. And then I, you know, I gave Franco Harris his royalty checks from the Jersey sales when I co-owned Mitchell on Ness. So I was real cool with him. And being a Steelers fan, that number 32, I have you know in my closet and my archives. Were you
1: alive when the Immaculate Reception happened? No, no, I was born two years
3: after. I'm a 74 wow. baby.
1: But you <laughs> handed him the check
3: uh, yeah.
1: from the uh, the jersey sales.
3: That, that yeah. had to be oh, exciting, yeah. right? How good, oh, I'm- man, that was everything. Terry Bradshaw, all those guys from that era, especially, I mean, all the icons, but, you know, him and Terry Bradshaw, you know, they just mean so much more to me being a fan of the team. All right,
1: Al is hungry. He wants some chicken. Where can he get it, bro
3: Well, Al, man, al been texting the last couple weeks, you know. Come holler at me, Pitcher's Pub on Main Street in Manioc. Follow me on Chef Big Rube uh, on Instagram. You know what I mean? Come grub all weekend. Let's watch these games.
1: Oh, wait, wait. You've been texting with Al?
3: Well, I was trying to get, get him it. out to Roby's no. the lawnmower shop to get some chicken, but his grandmom died.
1: Uh, listen to me. I don't even have Al's cell phone number. Could you give it to me, Rube? Don't do it. (laughs) Are you serious? I do not have his. Rhea, do I have his number? I was actually hanging out with Al last Saturday at Flyers practice. No. Answer my question. Do I have Al Morganti's cell phone number? No, you have to call me. Rhea is my conduit. Yes.
3: That's right. Big Rube.
1: Sell some chicken. Holla.
3: Holla. There you have it. They were so upset. Were we going to bring Big Rube over to yeah. Roby's to give the, like, yeah. lunch for oh, Christmas? Yeah.
1: But his grandmom died. Oh, it, so that's a do beautiful it. lunch, too. Yeah. Be- well, let them know that we're resuming Christmas if what uh, Rube <laughs> said is true. Because uh, Al, Al, the day after the Cowboys, we beat the Cowboys. That's Christmas, Christmas Day. Boy, I'm That's glad you're 25th. I, I can't
3: wait. Another request. Two
1: one five. Yes. <laughs> How many requests? I am going to my ask God if the you people ever... there to put the ah. uh, in, the ornaments back up. If you're ever
3: due to be hanged, they're going to let you out just because they're going to run out of money. <laughs> yep.
1: Requests. Wait till you see my <laughs> final meal. Out. God. Oh my God. Two one five five nine two ninety four nine. If we come back, who's on the hot seat? And Jerry's coming up. He's, he thinks he's got the weasel. We'll see next. WIP Sports Time 916.
0: Attention, BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for you both to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.